Thanks, Mike. All right. Hello, everyone. Good to see you. Uh, it's good to be back. I was out of town last week, so I wasn't able to be here in person. I was in Secaucus, New Jersey. Hot spot. Yes. No, it was not. It was not at all. Uh, but on Sunday, we got to go to the Queens region of the New York City Church. So that was cool. Got to fellowship with our brothers and sisters and share about uh, our congregation and how we have a great relationship with the, the Caribbean Mission Society and the churches in the Caribbean. I was able to share about all that we did in Trinidad and those types of things. Uh, and so uh, that's where I was last week. And, uh, and, and for those of you that are actually interested in uh, going to our trip to the Caribbean next year, uh, we're going to have a meeting uh, next Sunday after church. So up in the Lighthouse at 1230, so come check it out. If you have Caribbean roots, come on out. You know, even if you're not interested in going on the trip, if you just got Caribbean roots, love the Caribbean, come on out. We're going to talk about it. So I just want to throw that in there before I dive into today's message, which is a continuation of our series where we're really talking about the kind of the core doctrines of the faith. Appreciate Kindle last week. I was able to listen to it online because you know what? Even if you don't show up on Sunday, you can still listen to it online, right? Amen. Thank goodness for technology. So I appreciate, uh, you know, him talking about sound doctrine, that which is healthy. That's what this church is built upon. That is what we're striving for, to, to live by that life, that doctrine, right? Holding both together. And uh, so today, as has already been mentioned, we're talking about this concept of seeking God. Not just us seeking God, but God seeking us. Um, because sometimes I think we maybe focus more on what we're doing, what we're not doing, and we, we realize, really, it starts with God. And, and that's a simple concept, but I really think we have to repeat that to ourselves every day. This whole thing starts with God. Not how awesome you're doing on any given day or any given moment. In the beginning, God, you know, created everything, okay? And so... I think that's something that, that can really hopefully help us connect with even what we're going to talk about today. Yes, we should seek God, but you know what? It all started with him, and we probably should spend more time on how amazing and awesome he is, like we just sang about, right? Uh, so let's go to God in prayer. Provider, protector, deliverer. So amazing, all those aspects of who you are, God, and that's just just a, a tip of the iceberg. You're a loving father. You're amazing. I just prayed this morning, Lord, that we just open our hearts to who you are, to your nature, your name, uh, and, and that we lean into who you are and that we continuously seek to grow deeper with you. I, I pray for those online. I pray for those who are here because they looked up church near me uh, and showed up. I, I'm grateful for the people that have come because a co-worker had enough nerve to just say, hey, you know, you want to come to church with me? I just pray that all of us can focus in on who you are and that you are worthy. You are worthy of us orienting our thinking, our efforts, our everything towards having a deeper relationship with you. You desire that with us Thank you that that's even true, that we even know that, that you desire to have a relationship with us. And may this morning be an expression of how we want to have that relationship 
with you as well. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, who showed us who you really are in human form. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen. So how do we even know about God, right? Well, Jeff, it's pretty simple. We have this thing called the Bible, and that's where we we understand who God is. Absolutely, right? That's God has revealed himself. We wouldn't know who God is if he didn't reveal himself to us, all right? It doesn't start with us, and we think about it, and we try to figure out how the world works. Oh, there must be a God. No, it starts with God, right? He reveals himself to us, and if a sunset or a sunrise doesn't do for you, or when you look out of your yard in the wintertime, and then you come back in the spring, and the change, if that doesn't do it for you, then the Bible hopefully can help you as well, right? God can reveal himself in many different ways. Uh, We try to go to the scriptures. We believe that the scriptures give us uh, poems about God, what he's done. It helps us understand what he's been doing through real people in real time, and all those stories have been collected, and then we call this thing the Bible, right? Where all these stories about who God is, that's what we base our seeking upon this amazing God. There's a passage that I was reading recently. My wife had been reading the book of Ephesians, and she, when she gets fired up, she'll like read me passages, you know, and just be preaching to me, you know, at home. And like, she has this translation of the Bible she loves, and she's just pouring it out. And so she got me so fired up, I started reading Ephesians on my own, copying her. And so I, I was reading this anyway, and, and I, this passage I was like, man, this makes a lot of sense with this topic that I'm actually supposed to preach about. And it's in Ephesians 1. And it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. There's a lot of prepositional phrases going in here. You might get lost. But what I really appreciated, this concept, that even before in the beginning God created, even before he created what we see, he had something in mind. He had something in his heart that included you and me. Before the creation of the world, before all that, He had something in mind, and it was love in his heart that motivated this concept that he wanted to have relational connection with those that he created. And how do you know it's relational, Jeff? You don't use the word adoption unless you're talking relationship. And last time I checked, you know, hey, that adoption is he's the one trying to adopt you and me. He's the one seeking you and me. This was the plan before the creation of the world, before in the beginning God. He already had this in his heart and mind. This is, and, and, and not only that, to be holy, set apart for good use, and, and that's amazing that that was his plan for us, to take care of us, pull us into his family, set us apart, blameless. He don't want you living guilt-ridden lives, always thinking that the hammer's about to come down on you. Set apart for, for love, joy, blameless living, guilt-free, this madness that, you know, that the world lives in. That's what he wanted for us even before the creation of the world. So yes, we're talking about seeking God, and all of us should be seeking God. Amen. But man, let's not forget, he started seeking us a lot longer than we started seeking him. I'm 52. Uh, I became a Christian at 25. So uh, I've been seeking God for a while. And in fact, this is a place where I was throwing a coffee cup away. 
at this very place. It has been renovated. Uh, it didn't look that clean in 1996. Uh, and uh, this was in Manhattan Beach, California, where I was living. Somebody came in, I was throwing my coffee cup away, and they invited me to a Bible study for single people in their apartment. I had been on a, I had been kind of open to God, and I had been seeking God, but I didn't know how to connect all the dots, and I was so grateful that these people decided to invite me into their home and teach me about God, and we actually did a Bible study together. Like, I had never really done that in somebody's home to, with strangers. I was kind of stepping out a little bit, so we sit down, and the first Bible study, they say, hey, we're going to do a Bible study called Seeking God. I said, oh. I, kind of, I think I'm kind of doing that, but I don't really know if I'm doing it right. You know, I'm just trying to go back and forth. But this concept of seeking God. And, and in one of the passages that they read, uh, I'll read it to you today. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one human, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. You know, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. I really like this translation, so that they would search for God and perhaps fumble about for him. <laughs> I, I, that's how I feel like a lot of times it is sometimes, trying to figure out how to connect with God. It feels like we're fumbling around a little bit. But this whole concept of God creating everything giving you life and breath and everything else, setting a time in history when humans could live in certain places that, were, you know, that they could actually live in. They were habitable, right? He, he set the times for all that to happen. So that, again, purpose, the purpose, why? So we could maybe figure out, well, why are we here? And what does all this mean? That's why we're here. We, we got to seek out for God. But the problem is, in, in 2023, when you say God, like I literally typed in God just to see what would come up, and there's all kind of stuff that comes up. When you type God into like a search engine or something like that, you'll see all kind of stuff. So in 2023, when I say God, we can't assume that everyone's thinking the same thing. I think maybe back in America in the 1950s or something, you say God, people, oh, Bible, Jesus, yeah, I get it. 2023, eh, not so much, right? In fact, I think we got to really define what we're talking about. We're talking about God, because here's the problem with you and me. We all have a problem. I'm being honest with you. This is our problem. We want a God who's easily explainable. We want to be able to track everything he's doing. Makes perfect sense to us. That's, that's the kind of God we really want. We want a God who likes exactly what we like. Yeah. I was reading a book, this brother, uh, this, this, uh, this is a book called God Has a Name. And uh, Chris, a good friend of mine, Chris was like, I want to read this book with you. Okay, cool. He said, it's in your mailbox. We're going we're gonna to meet up. In the, I was like, dang, man, it's in my mailbox. I got no excuse now, you know. And, uh, and, and he references uh, 
it's by John Mark Comer. He references uh, a guy named John Stott, who's a professor. He says, every semester, first thing he does is he gives a survey just to his students. Hey, what do you like? What do you dislike? Some of the things that you care about. He gives them a survey. And then after that, after that's over, he gives them another survey. What is God like? What is God like? What is this? What does God dislike? And he goes, 90% of the people would say the same thing they like is the same thing God likes. Isn't that interesting? Hmm, I wonder what that is. That's just how you and that's how we are. We want a God who agrees with every, our basic approach to life. Yeah, that's, that's God. And uh, overall, honestly, we want a God that makes us happy. That, you know, we just know, God sh- surely wouldn't want me to be sad any, for one nanosecond of any day. That, God would not want that. So obviously, when we're talking about God, it's somebody wants me to be happy at all times. And if we, you might laugh, but I, I think that's somewhere in our hearts. But here's the cool thing, is that God actually has revealed who he is in Scripture, his essence, right, his heart. And, and there's one passage in the Bible, this pivotal passage, some call the John 3.16, really, of the, of the Old Testament. It's, it's a moment when God says, this is who I am. This is who I am. Not who we may want him to be, but this is who I am. And it's when he's interacting with Moses. And this will be kind of the passage we'll look at and kind of look at it today in the time we have. The Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with Moses, proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. This is who God is. This is his self-revelation, right? Some said this is God's press release about who, you know, himself, right? So the Lord, we see the word the Lord, right? Or the word God, and, and the problem with our English language is God or the Lord are more titles in a lot of ways. There can be like titles, like, you know, corporal, captain. It can be Lord. I mean, it can be like a title, Right? But this is not at all what God is getting at, right? When he says the Lord, the word in the Hebrew really is actually four letters that we would call Y and a W and an H and a W, but we don't speak Hebrew, right? And so that word Yahweh, we put vowels in there because in Hebrew they don't use vowels. So it's four letters with no vowels. So we've added the I and the E so we can at least say it. Right? And that's where we get this Yahweh from, okay? I'm, I'm simplifying it for the, the time that we have. But when you see the Lord, right, that, he's saying Yahweh. God has a name. That's what it is. It's not a title, really. It's, 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 it's a name, and it means something, like, like his autobiography in one word, right? It'd be like if I said, hey, Jeff, who you, uh, the wife and I are going to dinner. What if I just called my wife the wife the whole time? That'd be kind of weird. I mean, that's, I could technically, you'd get what I was saying. The wife and I are going to dinner. I like the wife. She's a really cool person. Why do you like the wife, Jeff? You know, tell me more about her. What makes her, her? What makes God, God? Compassion, gracious. This is what we're trying to get at. Why would you seek God? Seek him for who he is. This is who he is. It's not a title. The big man upstairs and all these things we, no. Seek him for who he is. 
And if you're interested in that book, God has a name. It's pretty, I think it's good stuff. Easy to read. Compassionate, what does that word get at? It's used elsewhere in the scriptures. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Even though she may forget, which you go, that would be rare, I will not forget you. What kind of word is compassionate? That's a feeling word. And the, the core element of this word, like the core of this word, can also be used to describe a woman's womb. Wow, God giving female imagery? Oh, crazy. You should reflect on that for a while. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Compassion. This is feeling. This is who God, this is who God really is. Not an impersonal force, a, pers- a personal relationship. This is, these are personal and relational words, right? Compassionate and also he is gracious, right? Hmm, okay. To show favor. This is like to show, to do. So not only does God feel, he's given us these feeling words, but he acts. He acts, right? The psalmist writes, you, O Lord, are good, you are a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Turn to me and be gracious to me. Give me, give me, give your strength to your servant. Save the child of your maidservant. I mean, he's rescue me, deliver me, help me, act, do something, respond. This is the type of God that we have. He feels and he acts and he responds. He is not impersonal, right? And you go, yes, I love that about God. And we go, amen, thanks for reminding me about this, Jeff. But here's the problem. Sometimes we don't like that about God. You ever heard about a dude named Jonah? Oh, Jonah. God said, Jonah, I need you to go to Nineveh. Those people are jacked up and you need to go preach the word to them. Jonah said, no, sir. Where do you want me to go? Nineveh. I'm going the exact opposite way, right? And through some interesting uh, turns of events, you know, uh, he ends up miraculously on the shores of Nineveh. Oh, there you go. And finally, he preaches the word. One sentence sermon. He can give it as little as he can give. But guess what? Nineveh responds. They repent. Right? Jonah chapter 3. Like, wow, what a powerful message. Right? And you would think that's the end of the story. Amen. God used Jonah. Jonah was finally obedient, and the people changed, and they start serving God. Amen. But you got to deal with Jonah chapter 4. Because Jonah's upset that, that his preaching worked. <laughs> and what does Jonah say? What does Jonah say to God? He's praying to God. To, to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. So he prayed, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? That is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sin and calamity. You know what? Now, Lord, take away my life. It's better for me to die than to live. Wow. 
So what's at work here? Once again, like I said before, this is the most quoted and referred to. The Exodus passage that we started with, when God revealed his nature, that's the most referred to passage probably in all of the Old Testament. It's even referred to in the New. This is a core teaching because this is God revealing himself. It's the basis for everything. Jonah knew that's who God was, and that's why he didn't want to go to those people that he didn't like. The people that he, in his heart, didn't deserve grace. They didn't deserve God's compassion. They don't deserve, they deserve to be wiped out. That's why Jonah's got a problem with God's nature. Sometimes God blesses the people you don't like. Or he's not willing to do stuff that you think he should do to certain people. So don't give me that, hey, I know God's compassion great. Well, sometimes he shows that to people that he, so then you got to check your, we have to check our hearts. We actually, you know, we, we got to check our own hearts, right? Because God can extend his heart to even those that we don't think deserve it. But, God, but Jeff, that's hard for me to understand. I know I'm with you, but that's who he is. And just because you don't get it, doesn't mean you got to pull back. You should lean into it. Because there's something in that that I think all of us can grow and learn of. Right? Compassionate and gracious. You know what else he is? Slow to anger. Woo! You know what this word literally means? Literally, this word is a phrase, actually, in the Hebrew. Literally, it means God is long in his nostrils. That's what it means. You're like, what? God is long in his nostrils. See, and to us, that, go, that makes no sense. But to the Hebrews, they got it. Think about when you get really mad, right? I mean, when you just fired up, you just, you're, you're like your nostrils flare out and you just let it rip. You just unload on whoever, you know, you just, but just think when somebody makes you mad and you're trying to keep it together, you know how you can kind of breathe in. You try to kind of keep yourself together. God's nostrils are long. When he breathes in, it's a long breath. So he doesn't give that full vent. And when you study the gods of the ancient Near East, so many of them would fly off the handle. That was the nature of so many other gods. But this God is long in the nostrils, slow to anger. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but one who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Mm. Sometimes this word is translated patient, right? Whoever is patient has great understanding, right? But whoever is quick-tempered displays folly. And this word patient can sometimes be translated long-suffering. Do you see what I'm getting at? This is the nature of God. So many of us grew up maybe with dads or whatever that might not have been long in the nostrils. They had like a mini nostril, you know, like they only had one nostril and it was like a centimeter long, right? <laughs> and so some of us struggle to understand this about God, right? Hey, I've struggled with anger. I've hit things in my house in utter shame, right? So trust me, I'm not the guy preaching at you like, what's your problem? I've had to reflect on these types of passages. God help me to be long in the nostrils because that's not who I am naturally. 
Um, and, and I know a lot of times guys can struggle with this. <clears throat> Look what it says here. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, he hates with a passion. Jeff, you've messed up the whole sermon. You just read a passage, God hates stuff. I thought you said he loves everything. He loved the Ninevites. See, that's just a contradiction in the Bible. Well, first of all, you, you, if you really think about it, you, you better hope God gets angry at some point. Yeah. <laughs> His nostrils are long, but at some point, it's going to reach where it needs to reach. That stench is going to get all up there, and then God's going to have to respond. We need God to be angry at times. There are times when the healthy, emotionally mature response to evil is anger. Thank goodness God is slow to it, though. But we need him to get angry at stuff. I need God to have in his heart some type of feeling. Like the dude that called my grandmother when she's 89 years old, saying that Jeff's been in a car accident, I need you to send money. And she's, you know, trying to get out her checkbook and all this. Whoever did that, I want to. This is a true story. My mom calls me up, Jeff, you all right? You know, who, who would do something like that? Take advantage of the elder. I mean, you want God, you, you do really, if you think about it, you want God to get angry. You know, you know the, the guy that sends out the email to, the, to a foreign nation knowing that they're struggling and says, I have great work. You can find great work here. I've got a job set up for you. If you could just get here, I'll get a ticket to New York. And, I, and this poor girl goes, okay, I'll go. And she gets to New York and he shows up and he sells her into sex trafficking. You mean to tell me God's not going to feel something? Like you want a God that doesn't feel anything about that? You don't. So we need God to have some sense of anger at some point. But we, we got to be grateful that he's long-suffering because all of us have needed it at times. All of us have made the, the mistakes in life that <laughs> it, we're lucky God didn't just come down on us fast. What else is God? Yahweh. He has a name, right? Abounding in love and faithfulness. These are two concepts. Hesed, which is... You can't define hesed with one English word. That's why it's translated 80,000 different ways in English because it just means so many things. Steadfast love, you know, it's, it's unfailing love. It's covenant loyalty, right? That's one aspect of abounding love. And the other word is about trustworthiness and being reliable. This is who God is. Even when we are acting a fool, God still is willing to be faithful to us to the bitter end. This is the heart of God. This is the nature of God. He's abounding in it. <laughs> he's, not, he's not doling it out just little by little. He has so much to offer that he's, he is willing to stick it out with us until the bitter end. Thank goodness that's the God that we can seek after. Because you and I, all of us can sit down and within five minutes I can ask you, when have you felt betrayed by one of your best friends? And I'm sure all of us have a story. When something went wrong, they bailed. That's not God. That's not Yahweh. That's not his nature. He's covenant. He's loyal to his covenants. He's going stick to stick with you to the very, very end. Who wouldn't want to seek a God like this? How do we understand this God fully, really? Well, Chris read the passage earlier 
this morning at the beginning of service. He read a passage in John 17. Because when we look at all these attributes of God, it can be overwhelming, like, wow. But thankfully, we have Jesus that has come to show us who God really is. And I just want to take one aspect of the prayer that Chris read earlier in John 17. And this is Jesus praying. Righteous Father, the world does not know you, but I know you. And these know that you have sent me. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus made God's name known. His attributes came alive in Jesus. God's thinking, God's attributes, all the slow to anger, all the compassion, all that took flesh and lived among us. That's how we understand. If, if you can't get it from the written word, look at the life of Jesus and how he was willing to give up his life, right, for all of us. This is the God that we are trying to have a relationship with. How do we know that God wants a relationship with us? What does Jesus call him? Father. Once again, Father. <laughs> this is whom we seek. And I just want to encourage you. If you need to, what is the next step, Jeff? I'll give you a next step, especially if you were like I was at that coffee shop. You're trying to figure it out with God. I mean, I grew up going to church, but man, I just, I didn't feel, I didn't feel any of this feelings towards God. I didn't have any of that. I needed some guidance, some help. Hey, if you're in that place, you're online, you're here among us, you're trying to figure it out. Hey, if somebody invited you, just ask them, man. I want to see God, but how, how do I go about it? And I'm sure y'all have a great discussion. And on your own, I would encourage you, wake up tomorrow and read all of Luke 15, and it's even better than what I've shared times a million. You want to learn how, what God's heart towards you is? Just read Luke 15, and you will be fired up to see his heart to go after you and me. That's who God is. It's his nature. He's not a title. He's not impersonal. He cares. He feels. He acts. He reacts. He responds. He's with us. He wants to be close to you and to me in relationship. And guess what? Even when we mess up, he's not going to just give it to us when we mess up every second of the time. And so these are the things we want you to reflect on today. And hopefully you can lean into this part of God. Because here's the deal. <laughs> Some of you have been walking with God longer than me, right? Maybe, what, 25 so years for me. Some of you, 40 years, whatever. Some of you have been married 50 years. Well, so do you ever get to a point where you stop seeking intimacy with someone you're close to? I hope not. I mean, I hope none of us that have been around, I've been around the church, I've been around God, I've been around the Bible, but aren't you always trying to get, get deeper? I just, I just hope that we have a congregation that even if you've been around forever, that you still know that there's more to learn. There's, there, there's, more, to, there's more of a heart connection with God you can have. And, and, and here's the deal. You may fumble through it, but, but God's there. He's faithful. He's loyal. I mean, he's, he's going to meet you. He's going to stick with you. And, and this is the God we serve. And, and I just want to express to you just how grateful I am to be a part of a congregation like this that I feel like so many of you inspire me to get closer to God. You know, I see some of your walks with God, and I get inspired, right, to grow and to change and to be better for God, you know. And I know a couple weeks ago, y'all like, dang, Jeff, you were coming at us, man. You was hardcore, bro. You were bringing it a couple weeks ago. I was like, hey, sometimes I get fired up. You know what I mean? Sometimes I get a little into it. 
This Sunday was a little chill, right? Try to ratchet it back so I can get on your good side again, you know. <laughs> you know, the jet was coming. Hey, here's the deal. People, people, they might decide to, to, you know, leave the church, whatever. Here's the deal. I was expressing, I had the same conversation like 10 times over about the size of the church, right? I said, I can't do nothing about the size of the church, you know? But I, I hope that we can still help people feel connected to God even when we get bigger. I just pray we can do that because that's our reality, you know? Some people, oh, I hate that we got a building, man. I, I had that conversation multiple times. <laughs> Okay, well, we got one now, so can we just, with this context, can we just figure out how to love God and help others love him? You know, I guess that's where I was trying to come from. I'm not saying everybody's just selfish if they don't come to this church. Not what I was saying, but I understand things can get lost in translation, and if that's the way it came across, my bad, but I do think that we need to have the mindset of Christ. I'm still going to stick with that. I mean, we got to have a heart to serve and not just to, you know, to, not just to be served, but to serve. And, and hopefully, even though we're big and got a building and all these things, that hopefully people can walk into this place and go, you know what? There's some messed up people in here, preacher being one of them, but I still think I can seek God here in this place. And I hope that we can figure that out together. <laughs> I really do. I don't know. I hope we can figure it out together. <clears throat> so uh, I'm going to say a prayer. Uh, right, Sherwin? I'm praying right now. Yeah. So I'm going to say a prayer. We're going to uh, take the Lord's Supper. And, uh, and then after that, we are going to actually sing some songs, hopefully help with reflection. And I'm also encouraged because I think what we want to do is we want you to be able to hear from fellow brothers and sisters, really some of their own stories about kind of coming to faith in God and staying close to God. And so you're going to hear from one of our sisters who's going to share share her story about coming to faith in, in, in God. And so uh, I'm looking forward to that as well as we continue to worship. And in this big setting, which isn't like the first century church, I know, but hopefully we can still find a way to commune with each other in God. And let's go to God in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, I just come to you. You are so compassionate and gracious. So grateful that you are slow to anger abounding in love, so loyal to us, maintaining that love for so, so long. Thank you that even before the creation of the world, you had a plan for us to draw us near you. Thank you that Jesus, who was in existence as well, was willing to come and, and really express who you really are, God, to all of us. We, we, we want to remember him. We want to remember his life his life choices, the way he approached life, the way he approached people he liked, he didn't like, and how he willingly went to that cross, but how you raised him from the dead, God, and we celebrate that because we know, we know that one day there will be no more evil in this world. There will be no more people taking advantage of other people, killing and murdering and raping. One day, it's going to reach its end because you have a plan for that as well, and it's through Jesus. And we remember his body and his blood, and we proclaim that we will follow him until we die or he returns, whichever comes first. Pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.